Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. May 30th, 2018, this is the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein here with Raj Geary. Chris Featherstone joining us shortly. Going to talk about SmackDown Live, cover some of the news happening this week, what Seth Rollins said about The Undertaker and his retirement, Io Shirai heading to the WWE, CM Punk's trial, and John Cena says he has found the one, and it's not Nikki Bella. All that and more coming up on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Raj, how's it going this morning? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, man. Uh, Yeah, SmackDown last night. Once again, the broken record. SmackDown, man, what a tight show. Doesn't that go by fast? It was good. You know, when Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe aren't inv- involved in the best match on the show, that tells you something, right? Yeah. Um, so it was awesome. I don't know if you got to see 205 Live, but uh, Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy was insane. I heard. Yeah, it was awesome. So a uh, really strong night as far as match quality goes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing, man. What a difference a day makes. Um so yeah, last night's SmackDown, it was interesting that it opened up with Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe. Um, Big Cass interrupting that and making it seem like that match was going to be off, only to be turned into a triple threat later in the evening. Uh, but yeah, it was unpredictable. I mean, I didn't see that exact outcome happening. I thought it was a good match. And there was, a, man, just a lot of stuff last night. Really tightly, tightly packed show, all in all. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was definitely a strong show. God, who would have thought two months ago? Uh, I, I, I won't say strong. It was easy to watch. Um, yeah. Again, nothing big happening. Samoa Joe qualified. But outside of that, you know, it wasn't a very momentous show. But it was easy to watch. Yeah. Who would have thought two months ago? If I'm on this podcast, I said, in two months, Asuka is going to have a competitive match with Mandy Rose. And it's going to go for multiple segments. Yeah. And Mandy Rose has improved a ton. So she's uh, she's a future star. No, absolutely. Chris, how's it going, man? It's going well, going well, uh, getting better day by day. Good, man. Good to hear it. So what did you think of SmackDown last night? Um, Solid, nothing spectacular, but, uh, you know, um, it's usually a kind of a dull season, a little bit after Mania going into SummerSlam, so uh, I wasn't expecting much, and, you know, it didn't uh it didn't exceed my expectations but it didn't i wasn't underwhelmed either so it was just kind of middle of the road yeah i think though compared to raw every week there's just something about it you know i feel well, I like i'm think... oh, sorry go ahead i was gonna say i feel like we barely make it to the finish line of most monday night raws and smackdown just comes out of the gate 
with that higher energy. I think also that two hours is such a huge difference. Cause could you imagine oh, yeah. if at the two hour part at Mark, you're like, ah, oh, there's still another hour to go. And you know, then you're putting in all the extra filler. Uh, so the, the two hours is a huge advantage for SmackDown. Yeah, no, definitely, man. So last night, Samoa Joe coming out there talking like a preacher. Uh, yeah, given bib a biblical promo. Been a while since we've heard one of those on Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan coming out and interrupting him. And then right when they go face-to-face, -face, uh, start to get into it, out comes Big Cass saying that their match is off for later in the night. Oh, and that, by the way, he's been medically cleared after uh, selling that limp on the way out there. Uh, How did you think uh, each gentleman fared, Chris, in that promo segment last night? You know, it's, it's interesting because um... – I knew that Joe was a good promo work. Uh, he was good. He, he you know was a good promo worker, mm -hmm. but I don't know what it is about this year that made me just like really notice him. I mean, he's he's really good, and um, I don't know what it was. Maybe he looked at some tapes or something like that because I remember his uh, lockdown feud with Kurt Angle back in the day, like '06 uh, for TNA. And uh, he, he wasn't this good <laughs> when he was uh, cutting promos in, in TNA. Um, he was a little bit more like grunty, like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get you. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't <laughs> no, it wasn't the ebbs and flows. And I've talked to many wrestlers and and they um, when cutting promos, I think Matt may have said this before in this podcast, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he's he's Samoa Joe's that guy. He'll 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 kind of comment a little bit. And then he'll strike it when he wants you to notice something. He'll 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 do it, you know, and he'll say it that way. And he's really his cadences are are very noticeable this year. That I mean, he's one of the best promo workers to me. He's he's better one of the best in WWE right now. He's he he knows how to. And, and here's another thing. And I talked about this last week about the old school heel, the traditional heel. Joe knows how to flip a crowd. He's a good heel. And he did that last night. You know, you, you get the Joe, Joe, Joe coming down the ring. But as soon as he gets on that mic, he knows how to make him boo. And that's what I highly respect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know what? I agree 100%, Chris, that when he was in TNA, I always thought, you know, he's he's good on the mic. He can handle himself on the mic, but um, nothing special. And, yes, he has really turned it around. And, um uh, you know, that promo last night, I think I, I wrote this on Twitter. I think that if the majority of the roster was given that promo on a sheet to, to recite, it would have been awful, <laughs> but he, uh, he, he, you know, performed it perfect. It reminded me of Samuel Jackson and Pulp Fiction, like that kind of delivery. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought he was awesome. I think Samoa Joe might be the best promo in the company right now. I mean, mm -hmm. John Cena hasn't been motivated um, you know, when Cena's on, I think he's the best. But with what they got right now, I think Samoa Joe's there, and I think Daniel Bryan's the best babyface promo. And so their interaction I thought was great. And Daniel Bryan seemed totally believable. It's not like I hate I hate dogging on AJ Styles, but his promo when he's like, man, I'm mad, but and Nakamura's more dangerous than ever. It was just unconvincing. Whereas Bryan, when he's out there, you believe what he's saying. You believe, like, you know, he's pissed that Samoa Joe mentioned his family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I just wish this was used for something bigger as opposed to a throwaway match on SmackDown. Did you guys see the uh, tweet? I forget the writer, former writer's name, but he was leaking stuff online with the alias Falcon Arrow two years ago. Um, uh, James McKenna. 
Yeah, his tweet last night saying that in 2015, before the Tyson Kidd incident, accident, uh, there was talk that Samoa Joe was going to get called up for Money in the Bank and potentially win the whole thing. Hmm. It's It's... I mean, who knows? I'm sure there's, you know, when you got 30 writers, I'm sure there's tons of ideas always being pitched around. Yeah. I think it'd totally. be weird for them to give someone, especially someone to kind of like with that TNA, uh, you know, <laughs> st- stigma. Stench is the word. <laughs> yeah. uh, such a big push right off the gate. I mean, you kind of see like how long they've taken with, you know, what they've done with Rude. And even AJ, you know, floundered for a little bit before uh, he got a solid push. So mm-hmm. I- I'd be surprised uh, if you know, Joe would have come in and, and won money on money in the bank right off the bat. And I'm yeah. glad he didn't because he's evolved so much since he's started with WWE, even, the, even the past few years. Um, because still, I mean, even when he was shooting with Finn Balor and Nakamura in NXT, I still didn't notice that his promo was as good. So I still think, you know, with some time, you know, he's uh, what 39 now or be 39. Um, you know, he's, toward the latter part of his career he's really matured just within his few years in wwe and i think um probably one of the most pivotal moments was last july uh i think that was kind of his coming out party when he went against lesnar at uh, great balls of fire that was a fantastic match and i think that really helped him and so things like that to me would make joe a much more credible champion now than if you just hot shot an idea and just give it to him back then yeah, I agree with that. I thought uh, Cass's promo last night, Big Cass has yet to give the promo that's made me fall in love with Big Cass as a single star. He knows how to draw heat, though. That's for sure. Yeah. He, he did get a ton of heat. He just doesn't sound as convincing. Like, it went from seeing, like, an organic uh, feud between two. Well, not, not organic, because what Samoa Joe was saying is not typically what you say, like, when you're about to get the fight. <laughs> You know, but he delivered it so strong that you're into it. Right. And Daniel Bryan's response was great. Cass, when he came out, it didn't seem as believable. He seemed like he was reading his lines. He was doing a fine job at reading his lines, but it didn't seem as believable. But Mm -hmm. oh, you don't care for the shrimp in the blimp part, you know? I just, man, I think anytime you put those labels on your top stars, it, it resonates with fans, you know, it kind of sticks, you know, when, when they were doing, when gender was talking about Shinsuke making the goofy faces, I think Shinsuke lost a lot of heat because people are like, Oh yeah, they are. They are kind of funny as Pretty opposed awesome. to being different and, and strange. And when you start tagging these things like a blimp on Samoa Joe and drawing that out, as opposed to this badass that, you know, destroys people, um, it resonates because he is not in the you know best physical shape. Yeah. I mean, he's in good physical shape. He's just naturally a big guy. Yeah. 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 So he calls um, him. Oh, go, Chris. Chris Jericho said this a while ago, and Don Callis said it recently as well and credited Jericho for it. He said, when you cut a promo, you never uh, you, you never trash, you never bury your opponent. Meaning, right. like, you never, <clears throat> you know, if you're a heel, you never say, like, okay, if I'm going against Raj, you know, it's Chris against Raj. And, and Raj is the baby face. And I'm like, you know what, Raj? You're an idiot. And you uh, you absolutely stink as a wrestler. And you have no popularity, right? And so if I if I beat you at the pay-per-view, I was right. So, so there's nothing about you that people want to see anymore because I just buried you and I just beat you to solidify that. And so you don't do that when you cut promos. And I think, I mean, Kaz isn't mature enough to know that, but I think he should. Yeah. 
you know, I don't know. Triple H used to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, Triple H, Raj, that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, could you imagine back in the day if Andre the Giant, everyone's just saying, hey, man, you're, you're fat, you're slow, you can't move, you can't move right. that well. You know, like, you don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you. So, uh, yeah, Big Cass calls Daniel and Samoa Joe the shrimp and the blimp. I'm speculating that the fight was at least five minutes and it got very heated backstage between Vince Road Dog and the creative team of uh, does Samoa Joe say to Big Cass, does that make you the gimp? And uh, people were like, no, that's offensive. They had to talk Vince out of it. It was probably a very heated. It was so obvious. I was shocked they didn't go there. Mm. A I'm rare move of restraint by <laughs> WWE the creative. Was bad enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was just. <sighs> and then they repeated it later in the night yeah. on commentary. They were just. Yeah, yeah, that's when you could tell that they've got something they're so proud of. The commentary like shouts it out later in the match. Yeah. Sadly. Oh, it was. <laughs> Man. But other than um, that, it was a good. I mean, it was a good opening segment. Um, you knew where I was headed. You knew Cass was going to get inserted. Yeah. I thought that meant Cass was taking the fall. Um, Absolutely. You know, as opposed to beating Brian or Joe. But uh, that's not what happened. But yep. I got a theory about that that I talked about my show last night, but maybe we'll get to it. All right. Yeah. Okay, cool, Let's... man. Um, so yeah, backstage from that, Cass said the match was off. They talked to Paige, they put the match back on, making it a triple threat. And then we got Shinsuke Nakamura versus Ty Dillinger. <clears throat> So Real quick, they showed uh, backstage Shinsuke walking around with the numbers. Yes, you know, throwing them to the side. That to me is just like it, it's so mid card. It's not what a top heel should be doing. You know that visual. It's just not. Uh, you wouldn't see Brock Lesnar doing that. You, you know, you wouldn't see Braun Strowman. A top guy should not be doing kitty stuff like that. That's a that's a mid card feud. That's a two hundred five live feud. That's not. Uh, that's uh, Drew Drew Gulak should be doing that, not Shinsuke. Yeah. I would love to see Brock Lesnar backstage. Actually, with like new. Actually, I want Brock Lesnar versus Big E just so we get New Day throwing pancakes at Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Yeah, just to subject him. There was a part that. of me that liked that though. I thought it was funny. I mean, you're right as far as it, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't radiate main event, but you know, it's Nakamura at this time is his his whole thing is to to get under people's skin. You know. And I think that that was a funny way to get underneath people's skin. Uh, you know, it, it was it wasn't main event, but at the same time, I think that all just kind of further colors, you know, Nakamura's character to me. That's that's how I looked at it. I think it would have been much more effective to just have him beat the hell out of Ty Dillinger. Every you know, keep counting eight, get Ty Dillinger up, kick him down again. You know, count eight, get him up, kick him down. You know, like stuff like that generates more top level heel heat than throwing signs in the back. <laughs> yeah. And that match was uh, more competitive than you'd think. I mean, good for Ty, but this did not make Nakamura. Seem like a threat. Yeah. Not, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing with the Oscar match, right? I mean, if you're trying to rebuild somebody back up longer matches. I don't, I don't think really accomplish that. And they just got time to kill, yeah. You know? <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, I think part of it, uh, granted, the the agents kind of, you know, tell them what to do, but I'm sure Nakamura wanted to give Ty more than, uh, more than what they were probably told to. You know, yeah, what I, I mean? would hope so with their time in NXT and everything. 
Yeah. What did you think of the match itself, Chris? Decent match. I mean, you guys are true. I mean, I think it went a little bit too far, but, you know, I don't know. I got a soft spot for Ty Dillinger for some reason. You know, some, you know, it's just one of the, my heart goes out to the people who organically get over, but WWE still damper. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the Zack Riders of this world when he was super over, you know, Ty Dillinger, you know, the perfect 10 gimmick, he, he makes it work and he makes it work very well. He got one of the biggest pops of the Royal Rumble when he debuted, cause, you know, coming out at number 10. And then the next year, what he got, didn't he get beat up? Uh, he wasn't he supposed to be the 10th entrant and he got beat up in, uh, in the back, backstage or something like that. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. Sammy Zayn. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like, man, it, it's, I don't know. I, I got a soft spot for, for WWE. I mean, I, I don't like Rusev Day as far as just because I think he's a heel, but if he was a face and WWE stomped on that too, I would have a soft spot for that too. I just think if you, I mean, listen, if you are given a gimmick, and you make it work. I think you should be awarded for that. And I and I think WWE uh, feels the contrary for many wrestlers, and Ty Dillinger is definitely one of them. Well, yeah. they I think they also recognize a lot of times when it's someone that's over or someone that's doing a, th- a thing that's over. You know, like Scotty Too Hotty was not a main event talent. <laughs> But, I mean, but, the worm was over. The worm was super over. But that doesn't mean you push him at the level of The Rock or, you know, Steve Austin. <laughs> so, but that doesn't mean you kill the worm either. Um, and they and that's what I'm saying. Trying to kill the 10. Right. Which exactly. Is, which is that's ridiculous. what I'm saying. I'm not saying Ty Dillinger should be the next WWE champion by any stretch. Right. What I am saying is that he shouldn't lose 99 out of 100 matches. Right. right? I mean, and that's what he does. Yeah, and I think, uh, but in this case, uh, with where Ty is, it should have been a complete squash. Yeah, although, you know, one thing I'll say about Ty is that he had the confidence out there. You know, sometimes when you see Kurt Hawkins make a reemergence or Mike Canellis or someone like that, and you can almost see behind their eyes that look of like, holy crap, like, what am I doing here? Ty doesn't have, I mean, Ty looks 100% confident owns it still manages i think to carry himself like a star even though you go months without seeing him on tv even though i think with his new haircut i think he's looking less like a star hmm. yeah that, that should be a listicle raj on wrestling inc ranking the looks of the the top 10 looks of ty dillinger <laughs> yeah. it looks like he's getting lazy and just doesn't want to deal with it anymore <laughs> he's shaving like, those hey. lines into his head that's that's not easy man you know yeah. complicated process um yeah so uh that match last night i mean g- good for ty getting tv time shinsuke i thought that was interesting and then him doing the the 10 count thought was cool um it's the danger of dragging on shinsuke versus aj this long right is how do you keep people invested in both of these guys on a feud that really has never really gotten into fifth gear We've seen the match four times now, right? Yeah. Already. So, um, and each time it's gotten better. It's just when two of them have ended with crap finishes, I think it just kind of took so much steam out. Um, yeah. if, if they're having classics every time with, you know, uh, and trading victories or something like that, like kind of like, you know, flare and steamboat and you went that route, that's one thing, but just trading nut shots and yeah. when you're two of the most talented wrestlers in the company. And that's what the storyline is. It, uh, it's not it's not easy to get excited about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, then we got the AJ promo after talking about the last man standing stipulation for their match of money in the bank. Uh 
Okay, so Raj, was this another in the list of sort of the frustrating, lackluster AJ Styles promos? I thought I thought so. I, I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I love AJ Styles as a competitor. I think he's fantastic. I think he's one of the best in the world. But it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, my stock in AJ Styles, because of WWE Creative, has gone down so substantially nowadays that there's nothing that he really can do minus an absence and a return that would make me excited anymore. So, hmm. you know, any promo that he does nowadays just falls right into that. Unfortunately, again, it's unfortunate for AJ because he's fantastic, but there's nothing that he does nowadays that excites me. And I think WWE has really done a terrible job at protecting their champion, especially since Brock Lesnar's gone and he's been gone for two months. You know, he'll be gone for, you know, reportedly three months before he, wrestles again so all the weight has to be on aj and seth seth is doing fantastic but they're not protecting aj one bit yeah yeah he seemed to have more swagger and stuff as, he, as again you know a lot of this is wwe not knowing how to write for baby faces but a lot of it is you know what the, the stuff they write for aj i think is just corny and just it's just not good and you know like we again compared to what brian said earlier and it and the way Brian delivered it, it seemed very real. Whereas AJ just seems like he's going through the motions. And, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the same way. If I wasn't doing this podcast, I kind of have a blind spot for that. Like, I, I just kind of ignore it because he is so good in the ring. Um, but then again, you know, uh, he's not protected in the ring either. He hasn't. I can't remember the last time he won a match on SmackDown. And, you know, he's the WWE champion. He's probably won maybe five times this year on SmackDown, if that. You know, yeah. it's usually he loses on SmackDown, then wins on pay-per-view. Right. And um, it's just never really left looking strong. They've never really given him a good angle, though. I mean, I thought with Cena, his, you know, I need to prove that I'm here and I'm the best and earn my place finally to top the WWE. I thought that was a good motivation that they gave him. Yeah, I think they just don't see him like they see a Seth Rollins, right? right? Yeah. You see what the job they're doing with Seth Rollins. They could easily be doing that with AJ. Um, just going out, winning fantastic matches. Seth isn't cutting a bunch of promos either. When's you know? When's the last time he was in the ring cutting a fifteen-minute promo? It, yeah, he, no, he but that's the, the way they're why. booking. Yeah, the way they're booking him in the ring, uh, he's getting over and over, and he's being booked strong, and he's winning, and he's coming out on top, and fans are behind him. With AJ, when he's on TV, he loses. He's constantly getting you know someone's getting the better of him. Shinsuke is always nailing him to nuts, and and. Uh, and then he cuts these promos, and you, you, I don't know. I just think they could be doing so much more with him. But his reactions, I think, are where it's at with AJ Styles. Like, if his promos and actions are like, you know, maybe a six or a seven, with the, and again, this is the material, it's not a re reflection on AJ. I think AJ's reactions to things are always a nine or a 10. You go back to the match uh, when he was in his feud with Ambrose and James Ellsworth, and that and the comedy of it. I mean, AJ was very good. At selling that with Cena, he was very good at selling that. You yeah. know, I feel that his reaction is good. But to your point about Seth, I think that's why Seth isn't the guy in their eyes. I mean, because Roman still carries a better promo than Seth Rollins does. That's arguable. Um, I think so. Seth, I, I, Seth is not strong at all to me. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think I think Roman looks like more of a star and that's why right. he's their guy. I don't think he's yes. a stronger promo. I think promo wise, they're probably almost equal. Um, Seth, when he was a heel, um, again, this is the same thing. Just writing better for heels. Uh, 
Seth was, you know, could carry a 15 minute segment easy, you know, back in the day when, when every week, (laughs) right. He was doing it every week and he he got tons of heat and uh, he was playing it off. Great as a baby face. He does. It's it's like, he doesn't have as much to say. And, um, but yeah, I I think the Roman stuff is more the the look as opposed to, um, the promo ability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Seth is part of it is that Seth all the time just he, he goes up in that almost nasal and I say this is a guy that does this as well. Seth goes up in that like nasal register sometimes when he starts talking. And I feel that that for Vince has got to be a killer. He needs to add a little more bass in his voice. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely think Vince McMahon. Oh, sure. That's a big deal for him. And with Roman, Roman is like Mr. Like Husky voice all the time. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. He comes across as the cool guy, the, the guy's guy. Seth, you know, Seth kind of does too, but not, yeah, not as much for sure. But yeah. you know, to that point, the way they're booking Seth is is to his strengths, and yeah. it's working. And and, to, and Seth is the that. biggest star. I think he's the biggest babyface star on Raw right now by far. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Seth, and you know, AJ still is, even though you know we're crapping about how bad some of his promos are. He his him and Daniel Bryan get similar reactions, you know, night after night. I mean, granted, Daniel Bryan gets the yes chance, but outside of the yes chance, uh, it's similar. Yeah, and burn it down. I think has been this year. Burn it down has gotten consistently the biggest pops. Of- yeah, I think I think WWE really plays to Seth Rollins' strengths. I I didn't enjoy Rollins' promos as a heel. He did draw heat, which you know was successful, but just really monotonous. You know, he'll kind of have like you said a nasally kind of you know triple h and i'm gonna (laughs) and it just kind of stays there you know what i mean like there's no up or down it's just (laughs) you know and it's just 20 years by the time seth rollins gives his hall of fame speech it's gonna sound like gilbert godfried yes (laughs) yes and and i think and i think taking him off the mic so much uh as a baby face really helps because uh, Rollins, when he was in ROH, he he was really over as that underdog babyface uh, when he was Tyler Black, and I think now yeah. it's it's almost mirrored as far as how he got over in ROH as a babyface. Not saying too much. Fans love it when people can wrestle. They're they're waiting for that. They they have about twenty this is awesome chants in their pocket every show that they're waiting to just throw out. And so Seth Rollins is the the he's the love child of the. The the uh, the marquee. This is awesome crowd. I mean, yeah. they, they love him, and that's that's what he's doing. He's doing it very well. So last night, dance off on SmackDown. My favorite. This is my favorite. I, I know. Don't say this was better than the barbecue. Yeah, this, this <laughs> it was actually pretty good. It was that is true. Uh, Rusev and A didn't <laughs> come out to hype Lana. Man, this, I mean, this, with everything except actual wrestling ability, Lana looks like a million bucks. Everything mm-hmm. she does. I thought her entrance, all of it, her uh, poise was great. Yeah. I mean, dancing she, was great. She carries herself like a star. I thought both of her and Naomi were really good in this segment. This was fantastic. Even mm-hmm. the little turn at the end. I, even though I hated that they shook hands, they're supposed to be feuding, and then they're but like... they did the kid in play, and that brings everyone together. They did the kid in play, yes. Yeah. I, I, I marked out inside for that. For that I, I, I like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one dance I knew growing up. That and the yes. moonwalk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, when they, when, when, then when they grabbed hands, and they jumped and did the whole turn... That that solidified it for me. That is the official kid and play dance right there. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you know, it. Uh, yeah, I, I think this was just filler. Um, I you know, yeah, I 
I got. I think Lana. I think Lana gets back into that confusing thing. You know, people want to cheer her, but WWE's booking her as a heel. So it's just like uh, another conundrum, just like Rusev. And I don't know. I they're mean, for, yeah, I, they're forcing the heel aspect down people's yeah. throats when fans want to cheer them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that hurts the, I think that hurts a character. I really do. I mean, I think it really, I mean, of course, you don't want to book for the crowd all the time, but at the same time, like when you see, something working i mean you got to roll with it i think i i you know i i doubt that daniel bryan was christened to be the star and he and he, he's even said it before he, he you know he said the whole b plus player uh you know crowd going bananas over him that really kind of threw a wrench in the main event because it was originally supposed to be batista and randy orton which would have stunk up wrestlemania 30 oh jesus but but i think because of the fan base it worked that those cases it worked, and I think when something gets really high up there that you really can't afford to to not turn, you got to go with them. When when Chris Jericho first started, he was a heel for a few months. He was getting over so much that they turned him babyface. And I think uh, you got to you got to they, they were burying Chris Jericho for a while before they they turned him. Yeah, but he was still a heel though. I mean, but he was still yeah, he yeah. was still getting cheered. You know, he was getting cheered enough that you know they they went over to babyface, but. Uh, you know, he he was feuding with what Road Dog and X Pac at that time when he was a heel. So and then he was relegated to Heat for a while. Then he got in the feud uh, with China and the co-champions and <laughs> Bob Holly. Uh, right, yeah. So I mean, he was struggling there for a while. Uh, you know, the the uh, the DX did not like him. Uh, yeah. But um, we're going off off topic. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think if if the fans are into it, why, what's the point? Why why try so hard to keep them as heels when when yeah. the fans are into it? But um, Lana, I don't know what what you do with her because if you can't wrestle a long match, and that's part of being a wrestler, a wrestler, yeah, uh, and and she's super over. I mean, you keep her as part of the act and I guess work tag matches, maybe. I don't know. One, well, that's what they're doing next week. We're going to have a mixed tag match right. uh, with uh, Rusev in English and Lana versus the uh, Usos and Naomi. I'm glad that this gives all of these, these people something to do on TV in a prominent spot that allows the crowd to, you know, the paid money that wants to see them to appreciate them and showcase their talents in some form. Um, it's interesting. I saw in the chat, uh, Mandy and other people were saying this last night. It was sort of this debate being like, oh, is this too much of a throwback to the Divas era and having women do a dance off? But I saw last night more heated debates given Naomi and Lana's backgrounds as professional dancers, more heated debates about who would actually win in a shoot dance off than I see about people talking about any other matchup that was on SmackDown last night. Plus, back in the day, they didn't really do the dance-offs. They did the bikini, you know, right. bikini contests and stuff like yeah, that. So it was like, now we're gonna have a contest to see who can give Vince a better lap dance. Right. You know, it was, uh, yeah, it was much more provocative of an angle. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, so and, and they they've done this. I think they've done this with guys too. I, I feel like I remember. Um, the, uh, they, the, there was a while there for at the, all the house shows they were doing dance offs with Santino with, was a part of a dance off. Yeah, and, and I think our truth they had them before. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, it was. Uh, <laughs> Could you imagine now if they're like AJ Shinsuke? There's only one way to settle this, guys. <laughs> like dance off segment. I think. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they have a, this bag of tricks of how to kill time when they need to, you know, when they need to just 
especially the weeks like Memorial Day, like this week. Yes, they went like, to food right, fight and dance food, off. Food fight, dance off. I mean, you you got two of the the ten that they always do. Um, I miss the rap battles. Whatever happened to the rap battles? The I think school. the last rap battle happened to the rap battles. Another yeah, the last school. rap battle was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with Usos and Usos New, Day. New Day. Yeah, yeah that was really good. good. Yeah, I agree. Well, I miss the old school, the the uh, chain gang Cena versus Rikishi uh, rap battles. Yeah, or Big Show. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so hey you know what for right now this this is a, as good a build as any uh, to women's money in the bank give lana and naomi something to and, do uh, I, I thought the fans popped more for naomi but they both got glad pops and they were done yep. yeah i mean they're both stars and i think in the women's division given how smackdown how poorly smackdown has handled their women's division with the multi-women tags lack of storylines i mean this is a case where i think they've both gotten over as stars sort of despite the uh the unique structure of the show and the way they mismanage the women yeah mandy in the chat saying how she hates all the dance off segments men or women it just diminishes the product to her i kind of agree with that i think overall i didn't think this was as bad as the barbecue but it does make it it makes their feud seem less serious yeah mm -hmm. but i feel like wrestling has always had i mean the wwe has always had that goofy streak in it going back as far as i can remember yeah and you know? but it's always with people that you don't take seriously that's and... true yeah yeah um so we shall see uh let's, i was gonna say and pivoting to serious no we saw a segment backstage at the bar throwing pancakes at a blindfolded miz who is uh <laughs> fending them off with surprising accuracy uh, in preparation for their match the bar and the miz versus the new day oh man Chris, is this this whole configuration, this whole feud doing anything for you? This match last night? In the ring? Oh, this is one of the matches of the year to me. I think this was absolutely phenomenal match. Um, this is one of the times that I do agree with the crowd chanting, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, because it was it was great. I mean, the new day can go. I mean, I think that's one of the one of the reasons why they're still, you know, uh considered to be one of the top uh acts because all three of those members of the new day can go and to yeah. blend them in together. It's, it's amazing to me. And I think I love watching new day in the ring. And I think they have fantastic dance partners by uh, the bar and the Miz three very good workers. And uh, when they was against the Usos again, fantastic in the ring. And I think they bring, you know, the new day is so good to me that uh, their characters all, uh, just hilarious to me, but I think their work uh, really helped them as baby faces because usually the baby faces are one who does most of the work in the ring. Mm -hmm. And I think that they do a fantastic job keeping the crowd uh, just glued to the match. I think they're they're only one of just a few people who can really keep the crowd glued to the match the whole time. I thought this match, you know, uh, earlier when I said that Daniel Bryan smote Joe in a match and it wasn't the match of the night. And I, that's because I thought this was the match of the night by far. The crowd was into it. They were hot. I thought it was great. The only thing was it was a little predictable. That, uh, Biggie got pinned by Miz last week. So Biggie just pins the Miz this week. But outside of that, um, I thought it was awesome. I think Miz has really improved greatly this year. Um, he didn't seem out of place with these guys. Uh, and I thought everyone... I mean, I thought the whole match was just great. Yep. Keeping it interesting, at least. I think the problem is, though, 
they run it into the ground with these configurations and it's like where do you go from here yeah when they announced it i didn't think anything much of it you yeah. know like it's like eh, they've been there's no there's not much of a story outside of they got attacked last week but um once it started, once it really got going, and the yeah, game, it 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 was an awesome match. But I, I agree. I'd like to see, I'd like to see more of a story with these guys, especially with the New Day, who have been they've been funny, they've been entertaining, but they haven't been a really good story. Um, I, I guess they had it with the Usos. Uh, they had a good family, few, not necessarily a good story, but it was my a family was a good story too. Xavier was scared of uh, just. The antics never. of Bray Wyatt. It, I mean, it, it wasn't, never went anywhere. It wasn't good. Well, it it was compound. still a story, but <laughs> it right, went to yeah. the compound. So, yeah, but you know, the story was Xavier was scared of just the antics of Bray, and there was something that there was something that was with that. But you know, at least the the matches were you know decent. Yeah. You think catering has to make all those pancakes every week? Sadly enough, I was wondering that. Like, do they go out and order them, or do they make them? Uh, in the back, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot of pancake. Maybe it's like the frozen kind or something. I don't know. Uh, but these are the thoughts you think. It's not hard to do. Yes, go on forever. <laughs> um, so Big E hit the big ending on the Miz for the pin. Oh, and by the way, on the dance off, uh, there was not a declared winner, but uh, Lana turned on Naomi at the end and uh, hit her with something. And yes, mixed tag next week between the group. But yeah, I would say uh, the New Day versus the Bar and the Miz last night. If you're going to watch anything on SmackDown, I'd watch the dance off and watch that and skip around the rest. Um, oh, so uh, Gals and Anderson backstage last night talking about their title shot against the Bludgeon Brothers, which led to uh, Bludgeon Brothers on the video monitor. Uh, how are they? I mean, Chris, what, what do you think? How, how's this as far as a build and keeping the Bludgeon Brothers relevant? And at the same time, making it seem like Gallows and Anderson have a chance in hell of winning this match. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but hey, so on a positive note, shout out to Carl uh, Anderson, man. He looks in great shape. Uh, and I remember when he was wrestling in Japan and uh, he looks a lot different than he did in Japan. That's for sure. So uh, that's a positive out of all this. Yeah. But, Nothing else. Nothing else is, is positive. This is going to be filler. Bludgeon Brothers are going to um, beat them, unfortunately. Um, I hope that they don't, but I can see them beating them. It goes right back into there's nothing about the Bludgeon Brothers that most of the WWE care about. There's something that, I mean, they, they fit the Vince McMahon big guy role to the T. Yeah. But at the same time, there's nothing about the Bludgeon Brothers that's even make me want to heat like to me the bludgeon brothers aren't even good at drawing heat like i i just don't care about the bludgeon brothers i don't dislike them i just don't care you know what i mean so they're not even doing a good job drawing heat to me yeah yeah I, it's a broken record with me i can't i'm a, i agree 100 the bludgeon brothers do nothing and they i, I was enjoying the uh, gallus and anderson until they cut away the bludgeons and then i might it's kind of like my eyes just kind of dazed off and i started thinking about something else you know and, and the promos it just it's just so scripted and mm -hmm. so monotonous I, I i can't get into these guys the fans haven't really either it's just it's just one of those things it's so it's too goofy to work it's not like the wyatt family when they came out uh that there was a believability to it like like these guys are you know from middle earth with their mallets it just <laughs> you know it's it's just not entertaining. It's not believable. It's corny, 
and it, it's killing me. the tag division because it, the Usos and the New Day uh, was something that really I think propped it up. And oh, right yeah. now, the tag division on Raw is pretty much dead, unless Dolph and Drew move into that picture. As we saw in that barbecue segment, uh, none of those guys look like even close to top guys, uh, sadly enough, because I think the Revival are really talented. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then yeah, here, I, the Bludgeon Brothers being tag team champions just does nothing. Where are Sanity in all of this? I don't think it makes sense to bring them up until Money in the Bank, after Money in the Bank, because you kind of yeah. got your feud set up. You, I mean, they got a ton of matches now for Money in the Bank. I'm sure they're going to add Daniel Bryan and Big Cass. So I don't think you want to throw Sanity into the mix until either Money in the Bank or the night after. But that's yeah. typically what they do. They do the vignettes, then they don't air them for a couple of weeks, and then they, they come out. So. Yeah, that's, that's, a, why, I'm sorry. that's why I think they should have done that with the Authors of Pain instead of just threw them out there. Yeah. Um, I think just, you know, it's leaving a bad taste in my mouth. I think I was talking about this on my show last night. I think uh, the segment, the, the the barbecue segment would have been the perfect time for AOP to just come out and just beat everybody up. You know what I mean? Like that would have been, and they didn't even have to come on the show next, the, the following week. They just come out and they just destroy every tag team on there and just take some time away. You know what I mean? Just, you are, you, it's already broken to me like they're yeah. going to try to fix something that's broken at this point because it's they an already battle yeah they they, they brought them out they took ellering away from them so we don't you know so there's the promo part of it they just they just bombed it you know it just it just really messed it up to me yeah i mean the the proper way and how they used to do it back in the day is forget about the post wrestlemania nxt pops that these guys will get who right. cares if the authors of pain get a big pop that night um like what you said, do the video packages, have them work live events while the video packages are airing, you know, work out the kinks. Um, and so when they make their debut, they're ready to go and have something in mind as far as a program or something when they come up uh, yep. so that, that way they don't get lost in the shuffle. I mean, think about the people that came up the night after Mania, right? Yeah. Uh, what are they doing? No way Jose lost on main event. Authors of Pain are not, are, you know, MIA. Um you know, at least Andrade Cien almost they did the video packages. They did the slower build. Um, right. But the people that debuted the next night, you know, uh, Iconics are nowhere to be seen. Yep. Uh, they they lose every week. I just think they need to do, they need to forget about that just quick pop and do more of a slow build and, and you know, show that you have a plan for these talents as opposed to just dropping the ball on them right off the bat. Yeah. I think, I think the Raw after WrestleMania crowd, uh, I think WWE presents that to say, hey, look at all these ratings. And, you know, we got a 2.9 instead of a 2.3 this week, you know, because people are looking forward to the Raw after WrestleMania. But I, I don't think I think for the past few years, you really haven't had a long term effect, you know, and, and the post WrestleMania crowd. I, I say this all the time. It is never, ever a good litmus test to judge a character or an angle they're going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to throw beach balls. You know, that's that's just the type of crowd we're working with. There, it comes from all from numerous different countries to have that moment, to have that night. But next week when you're in, you know, uh, Annapolis, Maryland or Timbuk, Timbuktu, you know, what I mean, like that's where you draw. That's where the litmus has come as far as people and reactions. And so I think that's what's really hurt. WWE with the Raw after WrestleMania crowd, yeah, maybe Apollo got a decent pop on the Raw after WrestleMania, but when you're back into you know just the regular local crowd, people are like, eh, I don't, yeah. 
no one's <laughs> really sustained. I mean, like Enzo and Cass were the last ones that really sustained. Yeah, most WrestleMania pop. Right, Enzo's super charismatic. Drew's doing fine now because he was paired with Dolph, and yeah. people know Dolph, and it kind of right. uh, strengthens strengthens that act. But yeah. Uh, so last night, Mandy Rose versus Oscar in a competitive multi-segment match. Where did this rank in terms of time? Was Mandy Rose in one of Oscar's top five longest singles matches? Was it really? I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking. No. Like I mean, I didn't time it. It. Uh, <sighs> And Mandy showed that she can hold on, you know, hold her own against yeah. the top worker in the company. Uh, but this match did nothing for me. I was, you know, you knew Oscar was winning. It went too long. It just seemed like it was killing time. Um, I think Mandy's a future star, but I thought this match was just, it shouldn't, it should have been one segment. Oscar gets the win. Yep. Yeah. There was not a need to make Mandy look strong in this uh before oscar hit her with the oscar lock and rose tap for the finish it was funny last night even you know there are all those fan accounts on twitter that are dedicated to wrestlers and even one that was like mandy rose fan central was like yeah even we didn't think mandy was gonna win this one yeah i just think when you got oscar and charlotte and becky lynch and naomi all these talented you know talented workers and and we were getting carmela's champ and carmela versus oscar and carmela versus mandy rose and you know, whatever Charlotte and Becky are doing, these tag matches, it just it's so watered down from what where it should be. Although I bet part of the reason they had this go along was because Carmelo was on commentary and they wanted to give Carmela more time to uh, build her feud with Oscar. I think she didn't need that much time. It's not like she said a lot. <laughs> you know, he, he, she could well, have a lot of the same things. Yeah, exactly. So it could have easily been done in one segment. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you're talking about a segment is like almost 15 minutes. You know, it's 12 minutes. That's more than enough time. Uh, if you don't do the ring interests, just start, you know, bell to bell. And that's that's way more than enough time. Yeah. Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch were backstage watching the match. Uh, Paige came in, gave a shout out to Team PCB, uh, and then ended up making a match for next week. Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch on SmackDown. So that'll continue their build towards Money in the Bank. Again, um, it's just that having the money in the bank people just facing each other yeah. in different combinations. <clears throat> yep. But it'll be I think it'll be a good match. Hopefully they give that match a lot of a lot more time, you know. I bet you it gets less time than uh Oscar versus Mandy Rose. <laughs> Maybe. I probably won't finish clean either. Yeah. Uh, which is good, right? I mean, if they protect both of them, I mean, there's so much talent. There's so much talent in the women's division on SmackDown. How have they managed to just not? That's what, that was my point. That's what yeah. I was just saying. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it could be on such another level. Yeah. Uh, Andrade Cien Almas talking to Sin Cara backstage before Zelina Vega walks up, uh, <laughs> unhappy. Um, you think this is going to be the feud? Yep, no, that's that's clearly the setup. Maybe maybe that'll be the kickoff match at Money in the Bank. I don't see that on the main card, uh, or it could be just a throwaway match on next week's SmackDown. But uh, I feel like he should be a little bit higher. But you know, at least it gives him a win uh, against someone that's a name, and and it doesn't rush him too quick. I mean, but ever since that guy on. said that. Almost looks like Rusev. That's all I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's Ross. That's my angle too. I don't. I didn't have a problem with this whole segment whatsoever. Um, I think it's. And again, we last week we were talking about Almas being a heel. I think this is what helped him. 
I think this is what made him disti- distinguished uh, as being like, hey, I'm a, I'm a bad guy. Uh, and I think Vega, just her, just kind of being that antagonist uh, really helped as well. And Sin Cara, to me, you know, he's a he's a name that uh, would be a good person to feud with for a little bit. I mean, they did that with Baron Corbin for a little bit with, with when he, he was feuding with Sin Cara. And I think you don't want to rush things with Almas. I think the slow build as a heel would really work for him. Um, and I think a name like Sin Cara will really assist with him, you know, getting that heel heat and just really establishing his name on the roster instead of just kind of, you know, uh, thrusting him into some type of title picture. But and, and, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Glenn. Oh, I was just saying to me, what it what it signals is that they don't really see Almas as a top guy. That this because remember when there were talks that oh they might bring back Del Rio. This is them throwing a bone to mm, the. I don't see that. I think they just market. need to. I think they just start. I I actually think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I to agree. introduce him to the audience before you push him too hard, because then the fans don't buy it if you push him too hard. Yeah. My only concern is when you brought up the Baron Corbin Sin Cara thing as they had Sin Cara beat Corbin early, you know, mm, early yeah, on. I, and I hope do they don't do that yeah, kind of crap where right. Sin Cara is beating Andrade C and Almas, right. you know, and they're trading wins back and forth before Almas finally gets the win. So I think that'll bring him down. Yes, I think I he just that. needs to be strong. He needs to, you know, win this feud pretty handily and then go on to, you know, bigger and better things. Yep. Yeah. I hope they don't do, I don't, I hope they don't do trade ups either. That, that wouldn't help them at all. Yeah. Yeah. We shall see how they book it. Um, yeah. So we had the Money in the Bank triple threat qualifying match last night. Big Cass versus Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe. This went on, what, about a good 20 minutes, 25 minutes? This was very long. Yeah. I mean, at the, there was a half hour left, like when it was ready to, you know, when all the entrances and everything were going. So uh, it was, it was given a lot of time. Cass didn't look completely out of place. Um, <laughs> you you know what I mean? Like he, uh, you would think when you you have Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan and Cass that Cass would be the odd man out, but he I didn't think he was that bad in this match. I, I thought he was I thought he was fine. Um, you know Bryan and Joe. I thought I thought this match was fine. It would have been a lot better if it was just Joe and Bryan. I don't I don't know why they didn't just stick with that if they were going to go with Joe beating Bryan anyway and just have Cass you know cost Bryan the match, be it you know on commentary or, mm-hmm. or come out or do whatever. Um, as opposed to this, I, I thought it almost made Brian weaker with the way they did it, as opposed to a clear interference from Cass that cost him the match. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, Daniel Bryan had the match won, um, and then Joe came from behind. But I think the other way would have been better. Maybe they just didn't want to give away a strong singles match. And I, and I applaud sure. them for doing that, too, because I think it's good to save those matches for pay-per-view. Mm. I was really disappointed by this match. Uh, the quality of the match was good, but I don't know. I, gu- I guess this is a good way to insert my Daniel Bryan theory here. Um, you know, so there's rumors. I don't know if it's true. Don't say yeah. I confirmed it or Wrestling Inc. <laughs> but, um, there's rumors that Daniel Bryan may have not re-signed his contract. So, again, no confirmation on that. And so if, if it is true, uh, there's a part of me who feel – uh, that feels that uh, WWE is just kind of throwing these matches to the fans and kind of saying, hey, we'll get the much, we'll, you know, we'll kind of uh, uh, ring you like a towel, every bit of you, until 
uh, you make that decision to renew your contract. Because, it, I mean, there's, again, there's nothing different about Daniel Bryan anymore. And six weeks ago, there was. You know, they WWE could have done a fantastic job of making Daniel Bryan a standout person on the roster, but there's nothing different about him. And he's lost, I mean, after being, you know, gone, gone for three years as far as an in-ring competitor, you have him lose twice in the in the, in the past six weeks and one by just getting choked out. I mean, there's to me that's ridiculous. To me, I think there's a better. I think they should build Daniel Bryan uh, better, having him on the show every week loses his mystique, and there's nothing different about him anymore. But that's not. I mean. I don't know. I, they're not jobbing him out though. Like they know he's leaving. It's not right. like they brought back. I mean, if they were, could you imagine they'd bring back uh, the little person dressed as him in a one-on-one match against Daniel Bryan? Well, I'm not, tasks, I'm not saying like, that they're jobbing on. him out. No, I'm not yeah. saying that they're jobbing out because they know he's leaving. I'm saying yeah. that they're kind of throwing a bunch of matches at us yeah. on one clunk. And I don't, I don't like that. I think, I think there should be a better uh, uh, storylines with Daniel Bryan you you come from a fan one of the best storylines in WWE with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to Daniel Bryan feuding with Big Cass and then making him tap out and then Big Cass for some reason he lost the match but they're still going to continue the feud but it, they do that all the time though that's all their feuds and it's Even not okay there's, 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 <laughs> yeah, I know but that's yeah. not a <laughs> It's, it's I, look, okay. I agree with you. I've been saying this from the beginning, even, even before any contract rumors. And I, I don't believe that that rumor, uh, by the way. Um, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I'm sure his contract still uh, ends on September 1st. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think this is how they would have done it anyway. And mm. and they haven't, you know, they haven't done the big they weren't going to do the big Daniel Bryan world title matches on pay-per-view this soon anyway. And so they, I think it's just. They burn through their top matches on Raw and SmackDown all the time. Um, well, how does that help him as a babyface, though? No, so that's what I'm saying. No, I agree that Daniel Bryan, they've he's been watered down. He's gone from a huge deal to just another top, you know, top guy. Mm-hmm. He's he's just another guy. Um, but and he should be booked more special but i think they they even if he's re-signed for 5 years he'd be in the same spot that's just how they do it they have so much tv that they don't like keeping guys off when it benefits them um unless it's brock lesnar you know they don't do the slow burn it's just constant you know you're doing the same well, matches over and over and i mean let's not forget the biggest daniel bryan has ever been is when he's facing adversity you yeah, know? but what what adversity is he facing right now? Samoa Joe's a monster. Joe. Big Cass is a monster. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look at it like. Yeah, that is, I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it as um, J- Joe was this the guy going into the ladder match, and Daniel Bryan was going to get beat. I, yeah. I could easily see them having Daniel Bryan beat Joe down, you know, in a few weeks uh, if Joe's not putting the world title picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they just need to do something. I mean, look, his, med- his comeback from medical clearance, I mean, that was huge and that was great. They're, they're past that phase of it. But, I mean, look, it's like the movie Rudy. I mean, the end of the movie Rudy is fantastic. But if they put him in the game the week after that, you know, and the week after that and the week after that, I think the crowd would just kind of be like, hey, it's the small guy on the field. Yep. Yeah, I, I just think Daniel Bryan, his first singles match should have been the next pay-per-view. It shouldn't have been on TV the next night after WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. should have been built as that. And uh, anyway, yeah, let's uh, 
people are bringing up this the Fox article, so let's yeah, talk let's about talk that about that. So uh, Rupert Murdoch, really quick overall yeah. SmackDown solid show. I'd give it a, a good B, B minus. B minus. Yeah. All right. Pleasant way to spend a Tuesday evening. Um, and I heard 205 Live is great. Watch it if you didn't last night. Um, so Rupert Murdoch told the WWE that NBC Universal is embarrassed by your product. Yeah, and well. if uh, they go with Fox, Fox is going to promote the hell out of it and even give them a talk show in a studio on Fox Sports 1. So perhaps Talking Smack will live on in some form. Um, hosted, hosted by Chris Featherstone. <laughs> <laughs> I can see them. They'll bring JBL out of retirement for this. Be like JBL, great news, buddy. Oh man, um, yeah. So what do you, what do you make of this, Raj? I think it's just you know that's just negotiations. You want to bring down the other guy and and put yourself over. It, it, it's nothing. Some people are saying Fox and NBC are embarrassed by it. It's not. Fox was telling NBC that. Uh, Fox was telling WWE that NBC is embarrassed by it because they're not pushing it as hard as, as they would. Um, I mean, it's good negotiations and, you know, uh, clearly it helped work. You know, they, they got a huge deal from Fox. So, you well, know, good for them. And NBC, I mean, we've talked, I was thinking about this the other night. So Raj, someone uh, tweeted us that they actually did drop their pizza. Pizza dropping I is saw a that. thing. Um, but I was thinking about this when I was watching the commercials. And I watch a lot of TV. Only on WWE programming do I see commercials that remind you not to smoke, like, excessively. Like, we really have to hammer it home to this audience. Commercials that tell you, like, hey, if you drop your pizza, we're going to replace it. And uh, now commercials, like, reminding you to wear a seatbelt, something that should be common sense to, to anyone that's been alive for the last 30 years. I think NBC Universal doesn't try very hard, and it's reflected a lot in the ads when you see what they think of this audience? Uh, I mean, they, it's gotten more and more every year. I mean, look, for a while, WWE to an outsider was probably pretty embarrassing. Well, you yeah. know, like when they're doing the lingerie pillow fights and, and you know, you're having horns woggle, running into a wall, you know, having, you know, people, Chavo Guerrero run into a wall. Steve Austin crucified. Katie Vick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Katie Vick. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not earned the WWE's reputation. Yeah, but I think as WWE has changed their product, has gotten more PG. NBC has been pushing it more. I see the commercials a lot more throughout USA. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I agree with you, Glenn. I don't think they're uh, throwing out the red carpet for them. Yeah, and like they would a UFC or you know uh, someone like that for sure. Yeah, I, I think the ads will be better on Fox. Because I think Fox will treat it as more of a priority, court bigger advertisers. I think uh, NBC Universal probably, I'm just going to guess that out of all their, I bet you it costs more to buy an ad on an episode of Shooter or Chris Lee Knows Best oh, than sure. it does to buy an ad during uh, Raw or SmackDown. I, I don't think that's going to change because it's not Fox or USA. It's the it's what people are willing to pay, right? And so if yeah. people are only willing to pay a certain amount for WWE hmm. uh, because they, you know, the most of, you know, all the surveys, they show uh, the, the average income of like a wrestling fan being less than a football fan or a golf fan. So there's a reason why golf will get more more dollars per minute than, say, you know, uh, bowling or, you know, uh, NASCAR. Hmm. Um, it's just the expendable income, what advertisers think people are willing to spend. So you're not going to see BMW commercials on Raw like yeah. you would 
during golf or Lexus commercials like you see during football. Yeah. We shall see. Um, John Cena put over the Velveteen Dream. What was the quote exactly? Something along the lines of he could be the one. He was asked if uh, – so he was asked if, about if he'd rather face Adam Cole. Um, Ricochet. Ricochet or Velveteen Dream. <laughs> and um, – yeah, he put Velveteen Dream pretty, you know, st- pretty strong. Over pretty Star strong. Wars reference, I think. Yeah, he said, uh, you know, in those Star Wars movies with the Jedi, and he says something like, "I think that is the one." I got that odd, mental, and great feeling about Velveteen Dream. So, yeah, I mean, getting endorsement from the top star in the company, it's pretty huge. You know, I th- I think he needs to stay in NXT for a little bit. Yes, work out, w- keep working out in the ring. Uh, workout tweaks in his character uh, you don't want to bring him up too quick because yeah, i agree i do see a superstar in him too absolutely but he can't he can't be so over the top that he's unrealistic and i, I yeah. worry that that could happen i get very leery of john cena endorsements with uh up-and-coming stars though i just <laughs> it's just he he has a uh he has a knack for pinning people at the wrong time in their careers and uh you know he did it with alex riley did it with wade barrett uh, did it with Rusev. He's just now recovering. You know, Baron Corbin causing him his, uh, his case and then beating him in the opener of SummerSlam. He hasn't recovered. Uh, but he, he didn't endorse those guys. He, he wasn't privately saying he saw those guys as superstars. Well, I thought he like, endorsed the Nexus, though. No, no, he never did. Uh, he Like, he endorsed AJ Styles. And look at how strongly, well, how much it benefited AJ. Well, he's an established talent, though. I'm right, right. But I'm saying privately, knowledge. the people that he really talked uh, highly about, um, I don't think he's buried any of them. Well, all the people he, all the up-and-comers that he's went against, I know he did put over the Nexus after the fact, though. Maybe not during, but I think, you know, he talked about he regretted the, the whole... He regretted like beating a, them. Right, at, at the yeah. uh, eight-man... Yeah, SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had that finish um, change. But Cena, normally, he doesn't book those finishes. That's what he's told. Like, Vince mm-hmm. would build Rusev to lose to Cena. He built Bray Wyatt to lose to Cena. It wasn't like Cena saying, that guy needs to lose to me. Uh, <laughs> but, but on the flip side of that, can you, do you think that Cena has enough clout to say, let me be, let me put this person over? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, what, what do you mean? Like, do you, do you think, do I think that Vince would listen if Cena said that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and, and that, that's where I'm going. Like, I wish that he would have, you know, looking at people like Alex Riley and Wade Barrett, I just wish that he would have been like, you know, let me let me at least put him over once. But that's what he did with Kevin Owens. You know, I mean, he, well, he, he put, lost he, completely to him. He put and a lot of guys over. One, he put he put over Bray Wyatt. Rusev. Lost to Rusev. He tapped to Rusev. Yeah, he tapped to Rusev clean. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he Cena. I mean, and I, I I agree with him. He shouldn't just be randomly losing to a guy just because they're an up and comer. He shouldn't have lost to Baron Corbin. He shouldn't have lost to Alex Riley. Those guys were not on his level. It should mean something to beat them. So you actually get over. If you're just losing to everybody, then how does it elevate you to get to beat yeah. you? You know what I mean? If Jericho, no, but that's you, but I always you have with Jericho. Story, he though. loses to everybody. Oh, yeah. So when does. someone does beat Jericho, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> I agree. Um, I, I, well, first of all, I totally agree with that <laughs> because that's true. But what I'm saying is this I wish that they would have better stories for the up and comer to lose against, I mean, to, to beat John Cena. Now you're, of course, you're right. I mean, you know, that's the reason why Booker T and Steve Austin 
Uh, you know, they weren't okay with uh, Booker T wasn't okay with uh, go, uh, putting Matt Morgan over or, or Steve Austin wasn't okay with putting uh, a young Brock Lesnar over because they wanted a story behind it. And that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Just, but plus was, Steve Austin saw Brock Lesnar as a top guy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like it, it was some random up and comer that Steve Austin was going to put over down the line. It was someone he saw as a superstar that could use a victory over him. Right, right. But it goes back to my point. There still need to be built to it. Now, we are, we're agreeing that John Cena randomly losing to Alex Riley on a, on a Raw makes no sense. I, I, I totally agree with that. But you don't, if you want to put someone over, you don't just build this story for at the end John Cena to win over this over this person that's what i don't agree with it depends if that you're right if that guy is a main event talent and that's could use that win and doesn't get it wade barrett Riley, you guy. could do alex well now i mean i think wade barrett it showed that he wasn't he he just got injured all the time at that time he wasn't ready he was a rookie against cena so he definitely wasn't ready then yes down the line um and the and cena did lose to barrett remember he lost that career versus you know where yeah. he's supposed to retire and he but, came uh, back on Raw backstage the next week. Yeah, the next <laughs> night. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the next night. Yeah, it was the next night. Yeah. All right. Oh, we were starting to run a little late. Let's uh, let's move ahead. But yeah, USA, um, USA and Fox. Fox, you know, kind of putting WWE against NBC. It's we'll it's see good, how NBC responds tactics. for Raw. We'll see. Um. So, oh, Io Shirai heading to the WWE. Io Shirai, yeah, she's finishing up with Stardom in a couple of weeks, and. Uh, yeah, one of the most talented. Uh, her, I mean, they got her, Oscar, Carrie Sane. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a it's a great get. Uh, looks like Tony Storm, perhaps in the future as well. Yeah, she signed, right? Mm-hmm. She signed. It's just uh, what they want to do with her. So yep. they've got a ton of uh, you know outstanding women talents. It's how they. Too much into the story. Perhaps. Well, they just don't. They're not doing anything good storyline related with them. Even on NXT, even, though, even Ronda Rousey, Ron, her, you know, oh. she's just coming out and smiling and, you know, watching Nia Jax beat up a jobber, you know, like Ronda Rousey. Every time she's on TV, I think she seems less and less special. And she's the biggest star in the company. Yeah. Mm. I mean, but even on NXT, there's too many women like the, the for that, that they're not using yeah. uh, on a regular yeah. basis. You know, it's a problem. Uh, but I mean, we'll see, we'll see, uh, what changes and how that evolves. Uh, Seth Rollins said the undertaker should retire. Raj, what's the scoop there? Yeah. Just during Q and a, it's shocking. You usually never hear people say that anything negative towards undertaker. I mean, you saw Rusev, uh, when TMZ misquoted him and that led to (laughs) whatever it led to. We're not sure if that he got pulled from the match and then re-added, but for that reason, but the timing was uncanny. Um, yeah, Seth Rollins asked, uh, "Should it was a quick Q and A? Said should Undertaker retire?" And he, he was respectfully, uh, you know, he, he just said yes. So there you go. Big big applause to Seth Rollins for saying that because I've agreed with that since probably WrestleMania twenty. <clears throat> I think so, uh, I think the send off against uh, Triple H when he beat him and they were all hugging. Uh, I think that that was it. I think that that should have been it for Taker. I definitely think last year when he lost the rain should have been it. It was a, it was a great send off. It was a good moment. It, they took forever with it. It was like a half, a half an hour of him putting his stuff in the ring. Uh, 
and then to just come back for for no reason. I really. think yeah. they're work, working us. It's going to be Seth versus Taker at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I don't you know I, if if I was I was there at WrestleMania last year. I, I was one of the only person. I was only one of the only people actually rooting for Roman Reigns. I think that that send off last year was fantastic. But you know, I'm I'm one of those people who wished that the Taker never ended the streak. So that's that's the reason why I say twenty eight. If if he was going to put someone over like Vince wanted him to do, the kind of you know pass the torch so to speak, I think Roman Reigns was a good call for me. But I, I just I wish that they would have would have never tainted the streak though. I think WrestleMania thirty yeah. is still a bad call. I disagree, but we'll agree. <laughs> we'll I agree think to too, it's too it's too valuable to just let it go away. <clears throat> streak? You think it should have yeah. ended? Yeah. Against Lesnar or just Reigns? Maybe against uh, an up and coming talent. Um, I think it helped a lot for Lesnar, but he Lesnar hasn't passed that on yet. That's WWE's fault, not not Lesnar's. Um, <laughs> I think Lesnar is just not going to resign when he knows that it's going right. to require him losing to go. No, out. He, he doesn't care about losing. Yeah. I mean, he, he was losing. He lost his first match when he came back to, well, to Cena. Ambrose, well, t- well, I don't know about that, Ross, because Dean Ambrose said that he was basically not even listening to any of his ideas, and so I don't, I don't know about. Uh, I don't, as far as putting, I think he knows. I, I think he wants to put the right person. Right. Over. Yeah. I think if he yeah. sees the person on as, as the right person to put mm-hmm. over, it should have been Braun. It, it could have been Samoa Joe. I thought they built that pretty credibly, but yeah, but I don't think those were the right guys. Uh, Braun mm-hmm. could have been, but not Samoa Joe at that at that stage. Samoa yeah. Joe was too new and wasn't quite at that level yet. Yeah. Uh, CM Punk's trial. What's the latest that's happening there? Yeah, so day one started yesterday. Uh, Dr. Chris Amon, uh, you know, CM Punk has thought all this time that WWE is bankrolling his lawsuit, you know, against, so it's against CM Punk, Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana had to miss some appearances because of it. Uh, Amon's seeking a million dollars in compensatory damages. Yes. Compensatory. Compensatory damages. Uh, about the comments that Punk made on Cabana's podcast in 2014. Uh, apparently, according to PW Insider, Eamon came off as short and curt during his testimony, and it looked like he was getting upset while discussing the situation. He was talking about the the articles that were written over the podcast appearance and how bad he came off and the, the tweets he was getting. Uh, the jury heard the whole podcast, and the two sides are back in court today, and Eamon's going to be cross-examined by the attorneys for Punk and Cabana. I guess Punk seemed like... Um, seemed to be in a decent mood <laughs> like uh, uh gregory pratt of the chicago tribune said he seemed visibly amused and was chuckling uh at some of the stuff that he <laughs> that he said during the podcast and um well yeah, and punk was mostly serious and attentive but there were times when he was laughing at stuff that he had said during the podcast and um <laughs> it was added that punk was wearing a nice suit and he looked good and fit ahead of his return to the octagon next weekend in Chicago. That is insane that he is on trial when he's scheduled to fight, you know, uh, coming up. So it, and this is all over libel, right? Yeah. We need to get someone on this podcast. We need this podcast to be evidence in a trial. I want a Didn't jury. You have an article, uh, Roz, years ago that was, uh, uh, used for evidence. Yeah, uh, there are some Wrestling Inc. articles used in the Gawker trial. Yeah, the, Gawker, <laughs> the Hulk Hogan yeah. Gawker trial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
absurd. Oh, we'll have to look into the the evidence. We, they might have used some of ours for this because I know uh, when we reported on that that punk podcast thing, it was kind of all over. <clears throat> yeah, uh, we shall see, man. Anything else? I feel like we're hitting a lot of stuff here. Ah, that's it. Kind of a, a packed packed edition today. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for coming out, Chris. Uh, what do you want to plug, man? Pancakes and power slams. Um, so the second week, I moved over to wrestling at YouTube. Uh, initially, I would post the videos on YouTube, but now I'm strictly now I'm straight through YouTube. Interaction has been absolutely fantastic. So thank you everyone for supporting the show. Uh, had uh, uh, who did I have on last night? Uh, Alex the Pug Porto. How about that yeah. from the past? I had him on the show last night. So uh, yeah, I have a wrestler wrestling interview every week. Um, uh, look for me. I, I got uh, a Sports Illustrated uh, freelancing from them. Got a, a Nick Aldis piece coming up soon. So, and of course my uh, interview. Uh, of course my work here on Wrestling Inc. As always. Awesome, man. Raj, what do we got coming up on the site? Uh, the Scott Steiner interview is going up today, and uh, just you know, it's it's busy. There were tons of news articles yesterday, so just keep checking it out. Cool. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. You can find me on Twitter at Glenn Rubenstein. Live tweet along with Raw and SmackDown in addition to the official Wrestling Inc. account. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys back here next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.